announcements. Uh, we're doing a series this whole month that we've entitled Jesus Is, and uh, obviously we're gonna, uh, last week was talking about Jesus being the resurrection and the life. And you know, if you know the gospels, Jesus made seven declarative statements about who he is. And uh, we've been tackling some of those over these four weeks. He said that he is the bread of life. He said he is the light of the world, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, also that he is the door. Uh, some translations say the gate, that he is the gateway into salvation. There's no other way to get into the salvation but through him. Uh, the first week of this series, I talked about him being the true vine. And then, of course, last week we talked about him being the resurrection and the life on Easter Sunday. Today, we're gonna finish it off by talking about him as the good shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. In fact, in my text verse in John 10, we're gonna read that. If you would stand with me, please, as we read God's word together. Verses 10, or verses 11 through 14, these are the words of Jesus himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the, then the wolf attacks and the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's a good word from Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have together today, Lord. We are so blessed to come together to worship you, to honor you today, God. Lord, I pray today that you would do your work in our hearts. We thank you that your word will not return void, but it will do the work that it was set out to do. So God, let our hearts be good soil. I pray it would produce fruit in our lives. Lord, let my words be your words. And anything that comes from me that is not of you, God, I pray it would fall on deaf ears, but that your word would germinate in our hearts and in our life. And it's for your glory, Jesus. You're the only one that deserves it. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So the heart behind this series that we've done in the month of April called Jesus Is, is really about, a lot of it is about helping us to get uh, perspective and understand the character and the heart of Jesus. Because you know, the Bible tells us, even Jesus himself said that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? Well, you can't love someone with all your heart that you don't know. So for us to know, for us to love Jesus the way we are called to love him, we have to know who he is. So we've been talking about who he is and uh, no better way than to talk about who he is than talking about what he said he is. And he said he is the good shepherd. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that today. Uh, have you ever thought to yourself or asked yourself the question, I think we should all ask ourselves this question sometimes in our life, how much do I really know Jesus? How much of what I know about Jesus is based on truth and based on his word and how much of it is based on maybe what I've, been taught years ago and never really backed it up. I just kind of was told this, so I chose to believe it. How much of the real character of Jesus do we really know in our life? And how much is stuff that we just might think that we know? Um, it's important that we ask ourselves that question. And I think a follow-up to that would be how confident are we and how confident am I in his place in every situation that I find myself in in my life and even in the world? Am I confident that I know him well enough to know where he is in these situations? Am I confident enough in my relationship with him to know where he is in the war in Ukraine? Because we know he's in it. Nothing happens outside of his scope of knowledge and of his presence, because he is sovereign, he's over all. So do I understand where he is in this? Do I 
have enough confidence to believe that I understand that and know where he is in COVID-19 and the tragedy that that was and so many deaths and, and so much suffering that came from that because he's in that too in some place. You know, I, I mentioned that I, I talked to some pastors. I, I actually meet with some pastors on uh, Thursday mornings. We meet together to pray. We pray for each other. We pray for each other's churches. We pray for people in our churches. And this past Sunday, sorry, this past Thursday when we got together, of the churches represented there, there were three people that we prayed for that are in their 40s that have advanced stages of cancer. Where is God in that? We have to know our God to know where he is in that, to know that we can trust him in the midst of that in our life. I, I mentioned the first service. There's a, this, this family that was um, youth leaders of mine when I was in youth up, back up in Ohio. Uh, their son, Eric, is a missionary in Indonesia. Him and his wife and their four kids have left everything to go live in Indonesia to be missionaries to share the gospel. And just a few weeks ago, while he was there, he was on his motorbike riding down the road and a truck pulled out right in front of him, he hit it, and it was a pretty nasty accident. He broke his leg in multiple places, uh, pretty gruesome leg injury, actually. Uh, broke some ribs, has a lot of scuffs on him, busted his face up and his head pretty good. A lot of injuries, and they're in a very, very poor area of Indonesia, which Indonesia is poor anyway, it's a developing nation, and they don't have any hospitals there that were able to deal with the injuries he had. So after much consideration, they actually flew him to Singapore which is where he actually is right now, to get the surgeries he needed to fix his leg and to fix whatever else he had going on. I don't know all the details, but I know he had a lot of injuries. And in fact, the time it took them to get him to Singapore, some infection has set in, so now they're fighting infection, and it's a whole thing. This guy gave up everything, all the comforts of the world, to go live in a place like that, and that's how God repays him, right? It's easy for us to think that way if we don't really know our shepherd, if we don't really know him the way we're called to know him do we know him like we are called to know him you know no one really knows all the answers no one knows all the answers to all the questions even about Eric or these people with cancer or everything that's going on in our world today no one knows except God but it's so important for us that we get some understanding and I think if we get understanding about the character of Jesus it helps us in these situations and so I want to, what I want to do today is kind of unpack my text first because I believe there's some really really great truth in it that will help us today, okay? So it talks about, Jesus talks about him being the shepherd and we're the sheep, right? Now that's a, we don't have a lot of context for that living in the United States. Many of us have probably lived our whole lives and never really actually saw a flock of sheep or a shepherd, you know, that tends to sheep. Um, we don't really know a whole lot about that, but obviously you've probably read enough or seen enough or seen videos to know enough that, you know, you know what sheep are like and, and what a shepherd would look like. You know, it's got the, he's got the staff in his hand and, and uh, he's taking care of the sheep. But the fact is that we are compared to sheep. In fact, Jesus is not the first one to call us sheep. All the way back in Psalm 100, in verse three, it says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So we, have, we were called sheep way, way back, even in the book of Psalms, long before Jesus ever came. And the fact that we are called sheep, I can tell you today very confidently, it is not a compliment that we are called sheep. I don't know how much you know about sheep, but um, they're not the, the cream of the crop, so to speak. Um, now listen, this isn't God's way of insulting us. That's not what God does. But he, what he's wanting to do here is give us some perspective, help us to understand the, the great chasm between the shepherd and the sheep, to give us some understanding in that. And I hope to 
do that today. So to do that, what I wanna do first is talk about a few characteristics of sheep real quickly before we get into the characteristics of the shepherd, which is more important. But we need to understand who we are first as sheep. So the first thing we need to understand about sheep is that they are weak. They're very, very weak. In fact, they have no defenses for the most part against any predator. Um, I did some researching this week because I had to kind of look it up because I think I knew what I knew, but I, you know, I don't know a whole lot because I don't typically on a normal week study much about sheep. <laughs> it's just not really what I do. And so uh, I looked it up and sure enough, my suspicions were correct. There's really no defense for a sheep except two. They, one of their defenses is to stay tight together in a flock, hoping that if a predator attacks the flock, the flock then scatters and they hope that somehow that will confuse the predator. <laughs> Seems like to me, the predator just kind of thins it out so he can find one, but whatever, that's one of their methods. I told you they're not real bright. And then their only other method is to flee, to run. And they're not even really that fast, but that is absolutely one of their ways of defense is to flee, which I think is very interesting because you know the Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we are to flee from sexual immorality. Uh, he also tells us that there is no temptation that we can't withstand, that God will always give us a way of escape. That's just another way of saying to flee from it. I think that's really interesting as a little side note here. When it comes to our sin, when it comes to temptation in our life, the idea for us is not to try to stand up to it and show it who's boss. The idea is to flee from it, is to run away from it, not let it have its way in your life. If you are a recovering alcoholic and you're a Christian, you're like, I'm gonna go sit in a bar, I'm gonna show alcohol what's up. You are, you are treading on some really dangerous ground. We are not called to try to spit at sin in the face. We are called to flee from it and to be victorious over it. That is, that is one of the methods God gives us and there's no shame in that, to flee from sin because that's exactly what sheep do and we're compared to sheep. They flee from the wolf. They flee from the predator that would want to eat them or, or uh, do whatever to them, right? So again, this is not an insult to say that we don't have any defenses, all we can do is run away. It's just showing who we are in comparison to God. This is not a physical illustration for us. I mean, sheep are a physical thing and a shepherd is a physical person. But when God says he's the shepherd and we're the sheep, this is a spiritual application in our life. Of course, in the physical realm, we have some defenses, right? We can defend ourselves to some degree. He's talking spiritually. We have no power spiritually to fight against the enemy on our own. We are way too weak. We like to make fun of the devil and say how dumb he is for trying to rise up against God in heaven, but let me tell you, he is way more cunning, way more smart, way more savvy than you will ever be on your own. It's only the Spirit of God in you that gives you what you need to be strong against the enemy. So we have to understand that we are sheep and we are weak without the Spirit of God in us. Our only defense is the Spirit of God living in us to give us the strength that we so desperately need to fight against the enemy and our own flesh and whatever else would come against us in the spirit, okay? Uh, another characteristic of a sheep is that they are very unintelligent. Now, I don't know about you, but this resonates with me. <laughs> uh, if you ever look at sheep or watch sheep videos, if you Google like um, uh, sh videos of sheep that are, you know, just dumb, showing sheep doing silly things that don't make any sense, you'll find actually a lot of good material. <laughs> um, they're not real bright. In fact, there's one that's uh, it's kind of funny. Um, you might, many of you have probably seen it because they made memes out of it. There's a trench going along the side of the road and there's this sheep that's wedged down in it, stuck in it. And this guy's pulling him out by the back feet. You know, and he finally pulls, he 
unwedges him and gets him out, the sheep takes off running, tries to jump over the ditch and goes right back in. And there's all kinds of memes, you know, like, God, get me out of this jam and I promise I'll never get in it again, you know, and gets right back in it. But that's, that's, who, that's what sheep are and we're being compared to sheep because spiritually we are very unintelligent. In fact, the Bible tells us that we can't even seek after God, that he's the one that has to seek us. It says the Holy Spirit draws us. No one can come to the Father unless he draws us. So we don't have any spiritual intelligence on our own. It's only based on what the Spirit of God does in us. Because see this, uh, the, the funny thing is, you know, sheep are very prone to wandering away. They're just prone to wander off. Um, because of the, partly because of the fact that they're very unintelligent, they're not very self-aware, they're not sharp or cunning or savvy. They just wander off because they're just, they don't know what they're doing. They get distracted very easily. That never happens to us, right? They're prone to wandering off. And so it's part of the reason we're uh, compared to them. Now again, by human standards, of course we can have intelligence, right? We, can have, we have a brain, we can use the, the uh, intelligence God has given us in this world. We're talking about spiritual intelligence because really, even by human standards, if we, if we try to use our human mind to think spiritually, we will get into a lot of trouble because we will constantly wander off. Our spiritual intelligence is based on what he has done for us. And it's only when we have the mind of Christ that we can be spiritually intelligent. Without him, we are literally just sheep. I mean, it's proven, even, even in, there, there's always gonna be a tension for us in this world when it comes to our personal, our intelligence that we see, that we use in this, on this earth, and spiritual intelligence, right? And I can, I can prove it because I bet almost all of us have dealt with this at one point or another in our life. I know I have more times than I would care to admit on this stage. But you ever had a time where you have experienced the manifest presence of God? Where you've just seen God do something unbelievable? Whether it was in your life or someone else's. It was a, a physical miracle of a healing or a provision, a miraculous provision in some way or you just experienced peace in a moment when you knew you shouldn't and you just knew it was the Spirit of God just wrapping his arms around you and, and showing you the love of the Father and it was this incredible moment and it was an emotional time and you stood before God and you said, God, I'll never doubt you again. And a week later, you find yourself praying going down the road, God, are you even real? Happens to us all the time, doesn't it? Because that's just who we are because when we use our natural mind to try to figure out God, it just confuses us, right? Because we're not even designed to do it that way, but we, we're always going to have that tension in our life where we experience the goodness of God, but we're just like sheep and we just can tend to wander away and wonder where God is in our life and in our situations in life. I know that God is faithful. We all know that he's faithful, but sometimes it can be challenging for us to stay in the fold. And it's really because of the fact that we just don't really understand and we allow our carnal, our finite mind to lead us far too often. So we as sheep are very unintelligent. The third one, and this is because of the first two, is that we are very needy. Sheep are very, very needy. In fact, they cannot survive long without help from a shepherd. In fact, they're very codependent on the shepherd. And that's actually a good thing to be codependent with the shepherd. 
Now I realize too that there are breeds of sheep that actually still live out in the wild and they do okay, they thrive and they, they, can, they can survive on their own. That's not really what we're talking about here today. The, the overwhelming majority of sheep have been domesticated and they're living in pens with shepherds, right? And that's the kind of sheep that Jesus is talking about. The sheep that need the shepherd, that are completely dependent upon the shepherd and very needy. In fact, Jesus, uh, when he was looking out over the crowds, the Bible says he had compassion on them. In fact, in Matthew 9, verse 36, look what it says. It says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So here we even see Jesus sees the crowd and he had compassion. He felt sorry for them because they were what? Harassed and helpless. In other words, they were like sheep that had no shepherd. Because he knows, we know that sheep are needy. He's saying sheep without a shepherd are gonna be harassed and they're going to be helpless because that is in their very nature. And I know we don't like the idea of being compared to sheep and the fact that we would be needy and weak and all of those things, right? Because we would rather be compared to as lions, right? Who are strong and independent. You know, society celebrates independence, self-sufficiency, all these things. And that's what we would wanna be. I wanna be a lion or, or an elephant or something, you know, that just doesn't take anything from anybody, right? But you know what, Jesus, if we were like that, Jesus wouldn't have looked out on the crowds and had compassion on them because they were like lions without a trainer, right? Because that nobody feels sorry for a lion out in the wild. Everybody just feels sorry for the animals around the lion, right? Because they're the ones that are probably in trouble, right? Jesus had compassion on us because we are like sheep, because we are so needy. Now listen, I know, again, that, that goes against our pride. It goes against our ego to think, well, I'm not, I don't wanna be that needy person. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm strong, I'm independent, I can get by in life. We're talking spiritually, okay? Spiritually, in the Christian faith is the only, the only dynamic in all of the world where you are encouraged to be weak. In fact, Jesus told the apostle Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. Power is only made perfect in weakness. So this is actually a really good thing that he sees us as weak because the only way we can really be strong spiritually is if we are weak. And is if we embrace that and recognize it and understand it and see how much lower we are than God. That's where the strength comes in. So we're not, then we're not just strong on our own. We're strong with the power of God in us which is a greater strength than any human could ever have in the history of the world. And it's something we can rejoice in even though we are actually weak. But see, the deal is, when that happens, God gets the glory. And God ain't about sharing his glory. He's not about sharing his glory with anybody. In fact, he won't share it. And if we try to take it, what you're gonna experience is you're gonna experience the discipline of the shepherd because he is the only one worthy. You know, we just sang today, worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You know why we can say that he's worthy of it all? Because he's above it all. If he wasn't above it all, he wouldn't be worthy of it all. If he was only above about half, then he's worthy of half. But he's above it all, so he's worthy of it all, period. And because of that, we can trust him. We don't have to worry about our own strength because we're leaning on his strength, not our own. And it's a beautiful thing. Your life is not about how strong you can be as a sheep. It's about how close you can stay to the shepherd because that's what brings us the life, life abundantly that Jesus came to bring us. Which by the way, he also talks about in John 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and give it to you to the full. 
That only comes by being in the pen with the shepherd, not on our own, because sheep on our own are helpless, needy, and weak. Praise God. So, we need a shepherd because we are sheep. Pretty simple, easy deduction, right? Let's talk about the characteristics of the good shepherd. And there's some, there's some correlations here. I know I'm, I'm going in and out of the practical and the spiritual. You know, when we talk about actual sheep and an actual shepherd, we're talking about the practical. But there's a correlation, there's a bridge to the spiritual. It's the reason Jesus used this as an illustration for us. So the good shepherd, one thing he does is he protects. Praise God for his protection. He protects us. Shepherds love their sheep. That's actually, um, I read this week that shepherds were known to actually die for their sheep. They're willing to die for their sheep. they'll, They'll defend their sheep against a bear, a lion, a wolf, whatever it is. And they're willing to die. And it has happened in the past where shepherds have actually died defending their sheep because they love their sheep. Now, the only thing I can um, even come close to comparing this to in the natural when it comes to a shepherd and a sheep is an owner and their dog. Now, let me tell you, we are in a society where people love their dogs. I mean, you don't want to mess with somebody's dog. In fact, um, I'm we're part of this, this one of those neighborhood apps, you know, where People in the neighborhood can just communicate back and forth just from the neighborhood or the surrounding neighborhoods. And I mean, I get like four or five emails a day from this thing. And inevitably one or two every week is somebody that lost their dog. Oh, our dog got out. And oh my gosh. I mean, there's pictures. There's like exclamation points all the way through it. Please help us find our dog. We'll give you a reward. I'll give you one of my kids. Just give me my dog. Right? (laughs) You laugh, but I don't know. I don't know if I'd like our kids' chances against Ellie, our dog. So, um. <laughs> but, uh, but that's just how it is. You know, those, those little stinkers, they worm their way into your heart. You know, we have Ellie. We have this dog we've had for about five years now. When we first got her, I didn't even want her because I wasn't really raised with dogs and just thought, ah, she's going to ruin my carpet, you know. And, and now five years later, the stinkers kind of wormed her way in. And I really like her. Uh, and that's what they do. But that's the same relationship that a shepherd has with a sheep. Like the shepherd really loves the sheep and would do anything for these sheep, even more so than we probably even would for our dogs today. Because, and the shepherd's job is to protect the sheep, but it's a labor of love because they really do love their sheep. Again, sheep are known to wander off. So the protection of the sheep is actually a challenge for the shepherd. Even if they're in a pen, they can find their way. They're they're cunning in in the sense that they can get out of a pen because they're just so self-unaware and they can wander off. How true is this? When we bring this back over to the spiritual, how true is it that we, though we have a shepherd that loves us and literally did give his life for us, that we could still tend to wander off, just wander away from the shepherd. Go off and looking for greener pastures. Go off and looking for more fun. Go off looking for more instant gratification in life, right? And we get lost. I'll tell you though, I'm thankful, beyond thankful, that our God is a God that leaves those 99 to go get that one lost sheep. He constantly goes and gets us. The beauty of our God, and no matter where you are today, some of you really need to hear this today, no matter how long you've been running from him, if you wanna know what it takes to get back to God, it's it's a simple matter of turning around because he's always right there. He's always coming after us. He doesn't stop, he doesn't quit. His desire is to put you on a collision course with him no matter what it takes, and he will wait patiently for you to turn around, repent, and come back to him. Because that's the God we serve. 
So he will always come get us. He will always come to protect us. But we're the ones that are wandering off. And I can tell you today, if you find yourself far from God, it's not because he left you. He doesn't do that. He promises us he will never leave us, never forsake us. If we are far from God, it's because we have taken off and wandered away like sheep so often do. Isaiah 53, great chapter out of the Old Testament. It's a prophecy of the coming of Jesus, prophesying everything, a lot of what Jesus was going to go through and what he was gonna do for us. All of it came totally true. In verse six, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, Christ, the iniquity of us all. So we like sheep have gone astray. There's church, there's nobody that doesn't go astray. I don't care if you were born in church, literally in the church building and have never missed a Sunday or a Wednesday or a small group. You've read your Bible through 45 times. We have all like sheep gone astray. None of us have stayed perfectly in the presence and in relationship with Jesus. If that was possible, Jesus wouldn't have had to die for us. He had to pay the price to bring us back because there was a big chasm between us and him and he was the only one that could bridge it for us. He's the one that brought us back. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Why? Because that's what sheep do. That's what sheep do. Our only chance is the Spirit of God in us. But I can tell you today that we are never, ever, ever left to our own devices. We never have to battle the enemy on our own. Frankly, we can't. If we try to battle the wolf on our own without the shepherd, we are a meal. That simple. It's only because of him in us, protecting us and helping us. It's a beautiful truth. And no matter what you go through or what you are going through, it's not because the shepherd has left the flock. Hear me, church. Whatever you're going through, it's not because the shepherd has left. Whatever you're going through, the shepherd is there. This is such an important truth that we desperately, desperately need to understand in our life. And yes, we serve a good God that sometimes he does miraculous things to get us out of jams, but sometimes he just goes through them with us. And I can tell you today, unequivocally, in your faith, you've got to get to a place in your faith where that's enough. Where the fact that he is with you is enough. The fact that he will never leave you, never forsake you, has got to be enough. You being a Christian doesn't lift you up out of all the turmoil in this world. This world's got tons of turmoil. There's tons of opportunities for stuff to go wrong in life. But we can know confidently, if we know our Lord, if we know our shepherd, we can know that he's with us. And sometimes that has to be enough. There's times he'll do a miracle and he'll do crazy things for us, but not always. But him being with us is enough. That's his promise to us, is that I am the good shepherd. I will never run when the wolf comes, never. You know, I mentioned Eric, he's in Singapore right now, having surgery, and I think, you know, what is, what is, where is God in this? Well, you know what? I've heard from my brother who's friends with him that said that he has been sharing his faith with medical professionals in Singapore. That's the perspective God wants us to have. Where is God in that? Maybe there was somebody in Singapore who needs to hear the gospel. We don't know, he may never know. I'm not saying he's leading people to Jesus every day, maybe he is, but he's sharing his faith in Singapore. The fact of the matter is, whether I'm in, a, I'm in a season where everything's wonderful, or if I'm in a season where the wind is blowing, the rain is falling, and it's, there's a tornado coming, 
My life is meant to glorify God. And whatever I do, whatever situation I find myself in, I can glorify the shepherd. That's his plan more than anything. Can't explain why stuff happens. We can't explain everything. We, and you may have even been told by, by Christians that it meant well, that man, if you just love Jesus, he's gonna make your life so wonderful. It's just not true. There's a wonderful aspect of it because he gives us peace in every and any situation, but it doesn't mean we're just got a bubble around us that we're never gonna go through anything. I just told you, I know of three people that love Jesus in their 40s that are in advanced stages of cancer. You can't say, well, that person must not love Jesus. Of course they do. It has nothing to do with it sometimes. It's just that we live in this, this finite body that's decaying away, and eventually it's gonna be gone, all of us, right? The, the, the win is that no matter what happens on this earth, what can man do to me? Because at the end, I get to go be with my Jesus. And that should matter, and that should be enough for us sometimes. Countless places where we can go through stuff in this life, but we have to realize that being with the shepherd is more important than our circumstances. It's just more important. And I pray that that becomes real for all of us. The promise is that he is a good shepherd, and we are the sheep, and he is faithful. That's where we hang our hat, and that's what we stand on. Let me say one more thing about protection. Proximity matters when it comes to the protection of the shepherd. If you're not close to the shepherd, when the wolf comes, you could become a meal. The, the shepherd can only protect those that are close to him. He's got the staff that, that he could smack over the head of a wolf or, or a lion or whatever to protect. But proximity matters. It is very important that we stay close to the shepherd that we are in a personal, close relationship with him, which I'm gonna get into in a, in a few minutes here, actually on my third point. So let me give you my second one. The second characteristic of a shepherd is that he provides. Can anybody say amen to that? He's a provider. Praise God that he is our provider. In fact, Psalm 23, almost everybody knows Psalm 23 on some level, right? Christian or not. I mean, if you've been to a funeral, you've heard Psalm 23. That's a psalm written by King David, written from the perspective of a sheep. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The only thing that needs a shepherd is a sheep. So he's writing this whole psalm based on the perspective of being a sheep. And we're, he's showing us that God is our shepherd and he is our provider as our shepherd. He's the one who causes me to lie down in green pastures where I can eat good grass. He's the one that leads me beside still waters so I can get a good drink of water. He's the one who restores my soul. He's the one that is my provider. As a sheep, we have to have a provider a provider because we are incapable of providing for ourselves. Now this is a tension in our life too because if we're over here on the practical side, using our normal brain, we're saying, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm providing for myself. God's not providing for me, right? If, if God's the only provision for me, then how are all these people that aren't Christians getting provided for? Well, you're looking at, it, you're looking at the end product of actually the, the stuff that we have, right? When that's not the reality. I mean, you could say, yeah, I provide for myself. I'm the one getting up in the morning and going to work and working my tail off and paying my bills, right? I'm the one doing that. But that would tell me that you don't understand the relationship between a sheep and a shepherd. The sheep could easily say like, well, I'm providing for myself. I'm the one that walked up to the grass. You know, I'm the one fighting the bugs. I'm the one that's getting rained on when it rains. I'm the one, you know, fighting the elements out here and having the, the heat in the summer and the cold in the winter. I'm the one fighting all that. The sheep could easily say that. Not understanding that it's really the shepherd, though, that's given them everything they need to be able to succeed, to succeed and to thrive in their life. 
So yeah, you might be the one going to work, but your provision is still coming from God. I mean, who's the one that gave you the brain and gave you the muscles and gave you the wherewithal to be able to do what you're doing? That's why the Apostle Paul says, in him I live and move and have my being. Everything I am is in him. It's all him. There's nothing of me. I mean, I, I, without him, I'm just a sheep. Yeah, I might be able to get by for a little bit, but spiritually speaking, I'm still completely anemic and have nothing going for me. If the goal in this life is just to get a bunch of stuff and have a bunch of comforts and die comfortable and happy, we're all in trouble because there's so much more to it than that. God is actually the one that is providing for us. And why is it so important that we understand that? So we know who to thank and so that we know where to go. I think we need to ask ourselves, am I serving God for what he could, just for what he can do for me or am I serving him because of who he is? See, one way you can tell if you understand that God is really your provider is your prayer life. You really can. And I think we're all guilty of this on some level, but how many of you know sometimes your prayer life really goes up a few notches when you really have a special need that you know you need God's help in? Our prayer life escalates and we're more willing to say, you know, to reach out to God and to cry out to him and ask him to provide for us because it's a situation we find ourselves in that we know we can't complete ourselves. When the reality is, no matter if things are going bad or things are going good, it's all from him anyway. So if we have the right perspective, if we have the right understanding and, and, the right under, and the right relationship with Jesus, we know that everything I have is from him. My prayer life shouldn't necessarily change a whole lot when I'm going through a traumatic experience. Now granted, there's the, there's the reality that of course, we're gonna focus energy on a situation if it comes along our way that is, is traumatic or, or just needs a lot of attention. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not condemning that at all. I'm just saying, but our prayer life should be one where we're thanking him for everything we have all the time. That it's not just asking him for what we can't get on our own. Because he really is our provider in every way. And if we're only coming to him when we have need, we've missed it's part of the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. A sheep knows that they need God or need the shepherd for everything. And when you know you're a sheep and you know the shepherd, you can be expectant with your provision. Now listen, I know I talk a lot about the fact that, you know, we do need to be content if, if we're going through a tough situation and it's not happening the way we want to be content that the shepherd is with us. That's real. But we can also be expectant. God is a good God. And, and the sheep can be expectant that, that the shepherd is gonna provide for them because they know the shepherd and they know the character of the shepherd and they know he's good, so they can be expectant. God wants us to be expectant as sheep. Because if we really know we can't do anything without him, we have to be expectant or we don't have anything. So don't, some of you have been, you know, had disappointment, had, had uh, dreams not met or things happen in your life. Don't let that take away your expectancy from God. Because that is the God, that is the kind of God he is for us. All right, third and finally, he is a personal shepherd. The good shepherd is a personal shepherd. And this could really be the whole message here because there's so much we could talk about about him being personal. He said in my text verse, he said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He said a little earlier in chapter 10, he said in verse three, he says that he calls his sheep by name. And then after my text in verse 27 of John 10, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
He is a personal God. This is so, so important. Do you see a theme there? He's talking about his sheep knowing his voice, that he knows them by name, that they follow him. That's not the, that's not the ramblings of a shepherd that doesn't really care about the individual sheep, but just wants to kind of keep the flock in his, in his grasp as much as possible. But that he knows them each by name. Listen, church, do not gloss over this in your life and think that this isn't a big deal. It is a huge, huge deal that he is a personal God. Many of you might have difficulty getting traction in your faith. Can I tell you a big part of that in our life is often because we don't really believe that he's a personal God. We wanna believe it, but we just don't maybe feel it in the moment. And so it, wa- it causes our faith to waver because we allow our feelings to lead us. I talk about this all the time, and lots of people do. You can't be led by your feelings because they will lead you in a ditch every time. You know, when the emotions are high, it feels good, but if you allow them to lead you then, you're gonna allow them to lead you when they're down, and it's gonna have drastic effects on your life and on your faith. We have to understand that he is a personal God, and just because I can't always feel him, sometimes I feel him more than I do others. I'm, I'm just as much... Uh, likely to have that happen in my life as you are. There's times where I feel like, man, I feel like he's sitting right beside me and putting his arm around me. And then there's other times I feel like there's a brick wall between him and me, okay? We all feel that way. It's not because he's done anything or he's moved away. It's really just a lot of times because of our emotions, because of what's going on in our life. Just because I feel something doesn't mean it's true. If I wake up in the morning and I feel like I could run a marathon, it doesn't make it true. And if I try, I'm gonna find out real quick that my feelings were lying to me. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. He is a personal, close God in our life. And we have to learn how to hear his voice in our life. And this is not some mystic, weird thing about hearing the voice of God. He speaks to us all the time. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through other people. He speaks to us just in our thoughts sometimes. He'll put the thoughts in our minds that we think about sometimes. He speaks to us, but to to have that personal relationship with him and to understand and to hear his voice, we have to be able to hear his voice over the other voices that are coming our way. Now, I'm gonna, they're gonna play a a short video that uh, illustrates this point very, very well. I actually played it a couple years ago. Some of you may have seen it before, but it's worth showing because it's so powerful. So watch the screen for just a moment. One more time.
know the shepherd's voice. Now you know what Jesus meant when he said that. Like we, I've never seen anything like that in person, but to see, when I saw that video, it just blew me away because that is exactly what Jesus is talking about. You know why the sheep know his voice? Because they are in relationship with the shepherd. They're with him every day. And when, they are, when, you, when you know the shepherd, you have confidence that he is speaking and that he wants to speak to you. And he wants to be in relationship with you, but that only comes from being in relationship with him and being with him daily. I've, I've said this many times, but I believe it with all my heart. There are no shortcuts in our relationship with Jesus. There are no shortcuts. Becoming a Christian is a very simple thing in that it's, it's you making a decision, understanding your need for a savior, understanding that you need to be forgiven of your sins, believing that Jesus died on a cross and rose again three days later and letting him be the replacement for your sins and dedicating your life to him to live for him. That concept is pretty simple, right? A child can understand it. Child get, children get saved all the time. But walking that out is something completely different. It is, it is not something that we just look back and say, well, I got saved 20 years ago, so I'm okay, but I've never really lived my life for him. There are no shortcuts in this relationship. It is about day-to-day -day living our life for him, making decisions, wandering off, coming back, getting distracted, coming back, hearing the wrong voice and letting it lead you and coming back and being with the shepherd daily. And as we're with him daily, we start to learn when he's speaking to us. We learn how he speaks to our heart. We understand that when, when we hear something in our mind and we're praying, we're asking God and something comes to us and it's, a, it, it's something that just brings peace in our heart you just know that it was God speaking to you. But that doesn't come by just haphazardly serving the shepherd and staying off in the corner of the pen when the shepherd is calling the sheep to him. It doesn't work that way. It is about being with him and, under, and knowing him, knowing his word. I know I say this all the time too, but I just believe it so passionately. We can't, we're not, we can't hear God's voice if we don't know who he is, if we can't recognize it, if we don't know his character, if we don't know his word, you know, if there was a sheep that they'd brought into that pen from another pen and put him in that sheep pen and that guy started calling the sheep, that sheep would have looked at the other sheep going, what are you doing? You bunch of zealots, bunch of crazy people. Wouldn't have had any understanding as to what was actually happening because that, that sheep would not know that shepherd's voice. But if you know that voice and respond to it, it's life-changing, church. It's life-changing for us. He is a personal God. And just like I said, the protection comes, the proximity is a big factor in protection for, with the shepherd. So is being personal. So is hearing him. It's all about proximity. It's about being close to him. Many of you know the story of Elijah in 1 Kings where he had just defeated the, the, the uh, prophets of Baal, had an enormous victory, but then Jezebel said, by the time the sun goes down, you're a dead man. 
And so he goes running for his life. And he's hiding, he's in a cave, he wants to die. And God says, come on out to the mountain, I'm gonna reveal myself to you. And a big wind comes. It says that the wind shook the mountain, like the mountain started to break apart, the wind was so strong. But it says God wasn't in the wind. And then uh, an earthquake comes and shakes everything. It says God wasn't in the earthquake. A fire comes, huge fire. It says God was not in the fire. God showed him three of the most powerful forces in all the world, which is, which is really how we see God, right? If you, would see, if you read that verse and you see that, you think, oh yeah, God was definitely, he's probably in the wind because that's what really shook the mountain apart. That's what God would do, right? He showed him the three strongest forces in all the world and said, wasn't in any of those. Then it says, then he came in a gentle whisper and God was in the whisper. You know why God whispered to Elijah? because he wanted him to be close. That's the characteristic of whispering. You know, the only person that can hear you whisper is somebody that's close to you. That's the heart of God. Can I tell you guys today, God doesn't yell. He doesn't yell. You might have somebody in your life, maybe even a spiritual authority that does a lot of yelling and intimidates by yelling or even a, maybe a parent that's done a lot of yelling to try to get you to do what they want you to do. That's not what God does. God whispers. He says, I want you to come close. I want you to really experience me. Come close so that you can hear my voice. Come to me every day, he says. Spend time with me every day and you will learn to hear my voice. You know, the, the blind man that was begging Jesus to heal him on the street, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What did Jesus say? He didn't yell out, okay, you're healed. He said, bring him to me. He brought him close and he healed him. The woman was bleeding. She got healed, she touched the hem of his garment. She had to be close to him. To be healed. God's heart for us is that we would be close so that he can heal. You know, he, Jesus spoke to the masses. He had no problem speaking to the masses, but the ones that were close to him are the ones that moved his heart. The Bible says the shortest verse in all the Bible, most of you guys know it, Jesus wept. He wept over the fact that his friend Lazarus was dead. The people close to him are the ones that moved his heart. That's who our Jesus is, he wants us to be close and he has done everything that is needed to be done so that we can be close to him. And he is a personal God that loves you with all his heart. Can you stand with me please as we bring this to a close today? I do wanna pray for us, but uh, I just need a couple more minutes of your time today. I, I want you to know that God is speaking to you all the time. He's speaking to all of us all the time. Usually the problem is whether or not we're tuned into it. You know, I remember Pastor Bone saying one time that uh, he was talking about God speaking and he said, you know, you compare it to like a radio station. You know, one of the local radio stations here, all the local radio stations here, you know right now they're playing in this room. If you tuned into that station, you would hear the music that's on those radio stations. But none of us hear it because we're not tuned into it. It's the same thing with God. He's speaking all the time. But we have to be tuned into him to hear him. And can I tell you, it's not some mystic thing. A lot of times, you know the majority of the time God has spoken to me in my life? Right here. Right here. I have so many notes in my Bible, like where I just, I put a date in here where I knew that I'd read that verse 500 times, but this one time I read it, it just hit me up the side of the head and it was perfect for what I needed in that moment. So a lot of times it's just this. A lot of times it's other people. Joy's been the voice of the Lord in my life more than anybody else. Sometimes even when I didn't want it. 
that's who God is. He'll speak through other people too. But there's been times where I've been praying and God just put something in my heart. I'm like, I just know the Lord has spoken in my heart. I know that God said this to me. I can't explain it. I just know it because I know my God. And I've spent enough time with him to know, to be able to recognize his voice. And when he says something, I come running towards him. That's who he is. He's speaking to you about your pain. He wants to heal you. He's speaking to you about your anxiety and your fear. He wants to deliver you from that. He's speaking to you about your sin. Those sins that so easily entangle us, he's speaking to us about those all the time. When we start feeling guilty about the sin in our life that we continue to deal with, that's always him. That's him speaking to us. Not to condemn, not to tear us down or to shame us, but to cause us to repent, to turn around and come back to him. When he's speaking to you, he wants us to respond. It's imperative that when he speaks, we walk towards him. Actually running towards him is even better because that's who he is. So let's pray together. I wanna invite you, if you'd like to come to the altar to pray, you are more than welcome to do that. But I wanna pray for all of us. I pray you just respond and receive this prayer today. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you so much for your word, God. We thank you for your word, Lord. It is truth, it is life to all who will receive it. Lord, we receive your word today. We receive your word, God. Open our hearts to receive what you are saying to us, even in this moment. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. God, where we need to repent, Lord, we repent. Lord, we know we fall short, but we are so thankful we serve a God where your justice, the most just thing you can do is to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess our sins to you, Lord. Church, I encourage you today, confess your sins to God. Even, even right now in your place, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it out loud. You can do it in your mind. He can read your thoughts. Just turn away from those things that hold us back, that have caused us to wander away from this shepherd of our souls. God, we thank you today that you are a protector, you are our provider, and you are a personal, personal God. Thank you that you know us intimately, that you love us passionately. God, we wanna serve you more. We wanna know you more, Jesus. More of you in our life and less of us. More of you and less of us. We thank you for it today, God. You are worthy of it all. You are above it all. You are higher than it all, and you are worthy of it all. We honor you today, Lord Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, let's praise God today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.